Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back, Spores to the Max. Twins win today, impressively, on our airwaves. 10 a.m. start on that game because it was Patriots Day Marathon Day, not Ukraine Day, as we found out. Um, but they won, and that's the main thing. They needed to win, and they got to win. Jorge Polanco for RBI. Twins go to... Kansas City tomorrow. Joining us in the John Schuster Caldwell Banker Hotline to talk about tomorrow night's game here on WCCO. That would be the Timberwolves and Memphis game, too, and much more. Pooh Richardson, always good to visit with you. I'm watching Toronto and Philadelphia as we speak, and I'm thinking, you're a Philly kid. Did, did you ever want to play for the sure. Sixers? Uh, yeah. <laughs> did you? Yeah, man, yeah. You know, as a young guy, and then plus me being from South Philadelphia, and walking distance uh, of the of the facility, yeah, yeah. that yeah. was uh, one of the, it was one of those dreams or uh, one of those stories that never came came true. But that was all right. Who were the star players when you were growing up that inspired you? Was it Doctor J? Yeah, of course, Doctor J, Maurice Cheeks, Andrew Tony. You know, just uh, all uh, all all those great players. Uh, from Doug Collins, used to love Doug Collins. Oh yeah, Bobby Jones, really, really good. Good teams. We had some good teams in Philly. They we said, really did. They said the Doc and George McGinnis were tough to play together, even though McGinnis was really good, too. Did you like McGinnis? I, I like George McGinnis, but I just thought the mix with him and Doc was, wasn't good. It wasn't good, you know. And, uh, you know, I thought Daryl Dawkins was good. I mean, we, oh, we yeah. had some good players. Oh, Caldwell really Jones good. in the middle? Yeah, and then they went on quite a... Uh, uh, Clement Johnson later. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have, we have some good players. Uh, Clint Richardson. We have some good players. Yeah. Well, Poole, we're watching the playoffs here, of course, with the Timberwolves' eye on, on, on what's going on. And, of course, they beat Memphis in game one and uh, really kind of put them back on their heels. I mean, you, know, you kept waiting for Memphis to make that big run that they never made. What, what were your assertions of uh, what happened in game one? And, and does that tell you anything about the series, or does it not matter until we see how Memphis adjusts? Well, Memphis will adjust, especially playing in the grindhouse. But what happened was uh, Cat happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Carl uh, Anthony Towns happened. Um, when you have a when you have a, a, a big like him that that can do it from the inside outside, and he mixed it up on him. Uh, I think he he's too much to handle for the, any of those guys on, on that team. He's just really too much to handle. 
So you think they've got their matchup, the, 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 what they want. I mean, obviously Edwards was great too, but you're saying as you look at it from a basketball player's perspective, if Towns is on, they, they, they don't really have an answer for him. Well, you don't have to be super on. It's just being aggressive. Mm-hmm. If he's being aggressive and attacking and stay engaged, uh, I know the playing game, a lot of people was talking about the playing game. He had fouls, and, and I was telling people, you know, don't worry about it because, you know, you know, that's just a learning experience. He's still young. He's still a youngster as well. Um, and, and talking about Edwards, you know, just let him just do whatever he's going to do. Just let, you know, let him just run free. Let him run free, do whatever he's going to do, and let him be the guy he was at Georgia. So let him do his thing. And, and, and I, I suppose for a coach sometimes it's harder because cause you know you got to let him go, and at the same time he'll, he'll, he'll take some shots that might drive you nuts, but, but you have to be patient enough to live with that, right? No question. That's part of, that's part of developing a youngster because what happens through the, through the course of uh, even a season – or maybe a few seasons, he will learn what's a good shot, what's a better shot. You know, the difference between a good shot and a better shot is where you want to get him at. But because he has such great talent, you know, um, super athletic, you know, worked on his jump shot, you can tell he's been a little bit more consistent. And when you have to respect that, there's no one one-on-one going to hold him down because he, his athletic prowess is, is, is too good. So I think you just got to live with the good and the bad with him, but it's going to be more good than than bad. Pooh Richardson, our guest. What would you? How do, how do you? How do you take on Morant? What do you try to do to him? Well, I think uh, in in screen and roll situations, I think you got to trap him, and I think uh, try to take the ball out of his hand. I know it's easier said than done. Um, I think when because uh, he. he He's a one-on-one player. He's really good. He's super talented. You know, I love I love everything about him, and I think he's fearless. Um, I think with Cat inside, you know, once he beat the first line of defense, you know, if Cat stay aggressive, you know, block some shots or just have a big presence in the paint, and you trap the screen and rolls. I think you pre-rotate, which that mean, which means that once you see the screen happen, you immediately trap. And then you send the weak side to come rolling over to the roll man. And that, that'll take the ball out of his hand and force him to throw it actually cross court, which means that now you got to throw the ball to two different people before he gets it back. And sure. That's, that's, that's important. Yeah. And, yeah 20, important. and then you do the math for people that don't understand. Then you do the math on 24 second clock and it becomes very difficult. No doubt. No doubt. There you go. There you go. That's exactly what, what you would do with him. Uh, that, that's what I would do with him. Now, now, Pooh, do you because see, you know, we talk one-on-one. Yep. He, he wants to isolate all the time, right? Yes. 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 Now, now in the playoffs, is it a lot different? The, the, I mean, do you throw out what happens during the regular season between two teams? Does that match? Do those matchups mean nothing? Do they mean anything? I don't, I don't think they mean anything, you know, because, because normally uh, in the playoffs, the teams that prevail, are always getting the X factor guy, a guy that 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 that's normally an eight to ten point guy. He'll get sixteen, or or he'll get eighteen, or you know he explode one game, and that gives you that gives you just that step that 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 one step ahead. Only because when you 
when you're scouting during the playoffs because the, it becomes really condensed, the, re, re, the scouting reports, and you, you really focus on the main guys. But it's normally a guy that you don't really focus on who's, who might be just a, a marginal guy, not even a marginal guy because all NBA guys are really good players. Yeah. But it's a guy who may be, who's good, like I said, gets six to eight points, and all of a sudden he's getting 14, he's getting 16. When you get those kind of points in the playoffs, you double it because it means twice as much. If a guy averaging four, he gets, he gets eight, that's just equivalent as 16 if you get eight in the playoffs. Mm. Okay, so you got to know Patrick Beverly when he was out there in L.A. playing for your former team, the Clippers. And obviously, he's uh, uh, if you've watched him throughout the year, Minnesota fans have really taken notice. They've watched the last couple of games as to what he is. He probably is more of an irritant in the, in, in the playoffs, but he's also a player. Who is Patrick Beverly from an NBA player's perspective? Well, I think, he, I think he's tough. Um, he, he, he accepts challenges. He doesn't back down. And he wears motion on his sleeve. And he's a, he's a team guy. And, you know, he's a blue-collar guy. He just works hard. You know, he don't have a lot of finesse things or, or a lot of skill-wise to his game as far as what, what we see or people from the outside or as a fan see as skills, like a great shooter, no. A great ball hander, no. A super passer, no. You know, but he's a great defender. He's a great leader. He's athletic. And he's tough. And that's what you need in the playoffs. He's tough. Somebody told me that they thought he made Carl Anthony Towns a lot better player by bringing out a toughness in Carl Anthony Towns because Carl did kind of flip a switch during the year. Do, do you think that's accurate? Yeah, I think it's accurate, and I think he gave. Um, I think by him being around, I think he uh, and he's been around a lot of a lot of players and a lot of good players. Uh, has uh, Beverly has, and I think uh, it helps uh, um, Edwards as well. You know. I I will Edwards as well. You know I I will say and 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 even though Cat has turned to switch and 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 Beverly I think Beverly did play a part and I think a lot of the mis the, the misunderstanding of, that was the same thing that Jimmy Butler was trying to do. Yep. I don't know if he. That's a good point. Right that's what he was looking to do. It was, it didn't work out, but that's what he was trying to do. Is what you're saying. Yeah, I think I think that's that that was the whole thing. And I think as you get older and you start see see when you're young and you playing in the NBA cuz I was I was I was a young guy also playing in playing in NBA. But when you're a young guy playing in NBA and you don't have people around you that's trying to explain to you exactly what's going on and they leave and it's left up to you to just to figure it out yourself. Most of the time, you're gonna figure out wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, like if, if if there was people around, and I don't know who has who around, but I'm just saying, if there was people around, they would say, you know, Jimmy's only trying to do this. He's only trying to get this out of you. He's only trying to, you know, because he's bending. He know having you will, will elevate the team. You know, if you had this kind of mentality, and and it, and sometimes you don't get you don't get it as a youngster. Because I've been there. I've been there with Coach Musselman. I, I wasn't getting it as a youngster. But as time goes on and you see it, you say, oh, that's what was going on. Mm-hmm. But you yeah, 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 and, 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 
And Pooh Richardson, our guest, do you have to dial that back and say, it turns out it really wasn't personal because is, is the, the tendency to take it personal when you're young? Yes. It's a, well, a big tendency to take it personal because here, here's what happens in the, in, in the NBA. And I explained this one time when I was talking to some people when I was back there. Um, a coach have a philosophy and normally it doesn't make sense for you early because you just used to playing college and rolling the ball out and the best players play and you go out and you perform and you do well and you play and you get your minutes, you do all that other stuff. But when you're being tested for your intestinal fortitude and stuff like that, you know, everybody's out there trying to win a job or get a job. Mm-hmm. And when you are being tested and no one is really helping you out to understand what coach is doing, it's easy to take it personal. Mm-hmm. It's easy to take if a player who's having experience like a Jimmy Butler telling you certain things in the way he's doing it. It's easy if no one in your ear saying, man, he's just trying to get this out of you. He's just trying to do this, man. Just be patient. Don't worry about it. You know what? You'll be fine. Like, sometimes it, you need that. You need that reinsurance. Yes. And now, all of a sudden, you feel you're in the, you're in the, you feeling you're backed up in the corner. It's only you fighting for yourself. Yes. And, and if somebody tells you that, then you say, okay, this guy wants to see me be better. He's actually on my side. Exactly. And once you tell me that, now I'm all in, right? Oh, now you're all in. Yes. Now you're all in. And like I said, I was, we, we, we through the same things where when you, when you plan for an expansion team, like the, the times when I, I was playing, um, my first year or whatever. And, and coach Musselman is, you know, massaging me, testing my intestinal fortitude. You know, it was guys on my team who played for him in the CBA that never came to my rescue and say, hey, man, he's only trying to do this. So I felt I was by myself. Sure. Absolutely. Makes sense. I think it's true. I think it's true anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, I, I remember. I mean, I, I won't take this too far down, but Jerry Kramer, who just went to the Hall of Fame for the Green Bay Packers, has given his Hall of Fame speech. And he's talking about Vince Lombardi. And he says, I don't know if I'm on foot or horseback. I don't know if I'm progressing or regressing as a player. And I'm sitting in the locker room one day, and uh, I had just been had a bad practice, and coach was all over me. And he comes up to me in the locker room. I've got my face turned towards the locker, and he says, let me tell you something, son. When you are on the verge of becoming one of the greatest offensive linemen in this game if you just keep doing what we tell you. And he says it changed everything because it, up to that point, I thought that I was in his doghouse and I didn't realize what he was seeing. That's right. Because they, they, they've been there and they've been there longer than you. They've seen more. They've been in yep. more situations. And, and sometimes we don't we don't get it. But I think uh, I think Cat is getting it. He, he's he's doing well, and I'm so happy for him. He's such a great kid. Man, great kid. Great young guy. Great young guy, and and, and is nothing but, you know, his, his he, he truly don't have a ceiling. <laughs> That's pretty good news to get that. Last question, uh, Doc Rivers, a guy, another guy you know from the East Coast that you, you know, Clippers, everything else. How good a coach is he? Doc is really good coach. I think Doc is uh Doc is a Doc is a good coach. I think Doc, what he he like players that that play hard, play that play defense. You know, uh, kind of like the um, the old New York Knicks teams where he played on. 
um, if you can play defense and uh, you do everything you do, mistakes or no mistakes, if you do it with energy, I think Doc, uh, he'll let you, he'll let you, he'll let you go. He'll let you roll. He, um, he make uh, in-game adjustments. So I, I, I like Doc. I think Doc is a really good coach. Pooh, uh, always uh, great stuff tonight, as always. Really interesting to get your perspective and, and a thought pattern that I hadn't followed before. But Butler and, and, and Beverly, that's a very interesting analogy. Thank you so much, and I hope we can call you again during the playoffs. Oh, no problem. You know, anytime, anytime. Go Wolves, man. That's it. I'm hearing you. That's not Boo. That's Pooh, as in Pooh Richardson. More when we come back on Sports to the Max. Elvis left the building the other day in Memphis. Timberwolves found a way to win and now set the stage for game two tomorrow. We'll have a kind of an extended, I don't want to call it pregame, but certainly sports coverage from six to seven. And then at seven o'clock, we'll pick it up the pregame show. Kevin Lynch will be amongst my guests tomorrow night. Uh, we'll hear from some of the Timberwolves players and Memphis participants, uh, since this is such a big game for both teams. And, uh, yeah, we'll see if we can find somebody there to help us and see if we got a friend in Memphis. <laughs> Best movie ever made in Memphis, uh, based on a book. Uh, Tubbsy, what was that? What was that one with Tom Cruise? The Firm. The Firm. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's the only movie I've ever seen made in Memphis, isn't it? I don't know. Let me. I don't think they make many in Memphis. Let me Google. Yeah, um, but uh, th- there's about four or five Tom Cruise movies that that I love to watch. A lot of his stuff that's abstract, Michigan, Mission Impossible. Some of that stuff I, I'm not into. Uh, but when you start talking about Top Gun, obviously the comparisons to me and Maverick are going to be, you know, I, I grew up in the same era. So obviously people are always saying, hey, man, you remind me of Maverick. Mm-hmm. I could see it. Yeah. I could totally see it. <laughs> I, Maxi, I mean, you put the two of you side by side. I can't tell the difference. <laughs> that's what I'm saying, man. You know, Boy gets girl, you know, older woman, cougar. Yep, that's all over. Uh, I mean, you might, as, you might as well do my life story if you want to do it, for <laughs> yeah. crying out loud. But give me some royalties next time. Cougar you know? hunting, the Mike Max story. <laughs> <laughs> but You're having a hunter, Max. Yeah, having a hunter, on. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry, so, but, uh, that took a turn. Uh, the Firm, I like. Top Gun. Yeah. Uh, a Few Good Men I loved. Uh, cocktail I really liked. Um, what else is there? I mean, I know he's done many. Interview with a Vampire? No, not so much. No. Okay. I was just looking at uh, movies that were... Uh, Memphis originated? Yeah. Uh, it was uh, obviously The Firm. The firm, yep. Yeah, The Firm was there. Walk the Line. The one uh, okay. about Johnny Cash that had uh, Reese Witherspoon in it. Okay, yep. Um, She's a short actress, by the way, like 5'2 yeah. or something like that. Great yeah. Balls of Fire was was filmed there. Okay. I did. Uh, I did not know that. Nope. Um, let's see what we got here. Christmas at Graceland. Well, obviously. Yeah. Um, what else could that be, right? Memphis and Hustle. Yes. So, see, now they're just getting into the, the basic ones. So, yeah, it's not not a whole lot there, but. But the you know. firm had it all. The it, fir- yeah, the it, firm it, was. It had, uh, you know, I mean, it was just, it hooked you. And then there was adventure and there was, and they played to the city well. And it was, it, it was, that was just awesome. Same with A Few Good Men. You know, they're playing softball in D.C. And, I mean, all that stuff. I just I, I love that stuff. And he is so good uh, at those movies. And of course, Top Gun was oh, – oh, I know the other one, Risky Business, right? Oh, Risky Business. Everybody's seen Risky kidding? Business. That's I think that was that... his first one, right? Uh, you know, I – I think that came before Top Gun I, and the rest. You know, I 
I don't know. Okay, but it was good. Yeah, oh, I mean, it was the one that I don't think a lot of people remembered Bob Seger before that. Because mm-hmm. that was the one, you know, that old-time rock and roll. Yep. I don't know if that was Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band or just Bob yeah, Seger. Yeah, that but. song. And then in Top Gun, you never close your eyes anymore. Mm-hmm. You uh, know, the, he made the, the that one famous brothers. too. The Righteous Brothers. Righteous absolutely. Brothers, yes. Now yeah, we're playing so. Name That too. All right. Now, <laughs> when we come back, we'll talk volleyball. Why is it not a boys' sport sanctioned in Minnesota? And will it be soon? It seems that that might be the fair way to do things. We'll talk about it when we come back. Welcome back. Joining us on the John Schuster Caldwell Banker Hotline, Walt Weaver, who has been fighting fearlessly and tirelessly uh, to try to get to bring to fruition uh, the dream of many, and that is to have boys volleyball recognized as Minnesota State High School League's sanctioned sport. Uh, Walt is uh, a storied and legendary coach himself back in the day, the Apple Valley girls team. He took to state titles and uh, coached the professional team, the Phillies here in town, and uh, uh, did much more. Walt, when you were coached the professional team, was Annie Adamsack on that team? Because she just went into that Hall of Fame. I saw her and I thought, did she play professional volleyball here for a bit? She did. It was part of her uh, her career as a as a major volleyball player and rather through high school, through college, for everything. She certainly was worthy of that award. But yeah, she was a member of the Monarchs during the. Time that I was a part of the franchise. The monarchs, yes, absolutely. Now, now, Walt, the task at hand is something that you've been working on for quite some time, and uh, not just you. There have been some others with you side by side. Where are we at right now as we go down the stretch to try to get volleyball proved as a boys' sport for next year? All right. Well, uh, it's a it was a long, tedious process, and I don't want to bore your audience with a lot of details. But the bottom line is. Uh, we have managed over the past five years to build uh, the enthusiasm for this uh, to the point where we have gotten it to the representative assembly, which is the high school league's process last step. Okay. And uh, we got it to that step last year. It was tedious um, and lost the vote. Uh, we needed a two-thirds majority of that group. There are 48 of them. And they've got a two thirds of them have to vote yes to move it on and become a sanctioned sport in the high school league. So we got the majority, but we lost by two votes. And so at that point, many of them that voted uh, across the state said, you know, if you bring it back next year, it's probably going to pass. So it was a tedious process getting it back there. But right now, uh, the vote is on the 10th. We're encouraged. We have right now, Mike, there are 1,400 kids playing right now in a spring club league that we designed uh, five years ago to prove that there was interest. And that club league has every year has grown and grown and grown and grown. And this year it almost doubled from last year. So there are 1,400 kids sitting out there wanting to play. And because that club league was designed to prove interest, uh, its job is done, and so it will not exist next year. And so if, if the high school league was not to do this now, to sanction it, which they really should with this type of interest, um, these boys would have nowhere to play, and all the future boys that want to play would have nowhere to play. So we're hoping that this is a year, uh, and that's where it is right now. The vote's on May 10th. 
Hugh McCutcheon has lobbied for it. Rocco Baldelli has lobbied for it. Governor Walls has lobbied for it. You've had a lot of oomph behind this. Yes, and you know what? Uh, interestingly enough, uh, most of your listeners probably know who Karsh Karai is. Yeah. And uh, uh, he, you know, Jordan Thompson is on his team. She's a major female volleyball player from the United States and for the United States team that he coaches. Well, anyway, he weighed in today. Uh, I talked with him, and uh, he's going to respond to the to the representative assembly um, uh, with support, also. But uh, you know, just yes, the support outside of the Minnesota State High School League from the public, from uh, legislators, um, to as you said, to some of the major pro sports people. Uh, there's just been a ton of support. And it continues building. It's more and more every year. But the bottom line is, you know, it's uh, it's these boys that uh, that make a difference. And you know, when you get involved with them and you see them playing and you see them in their schools, wanting to play for their school like their sisters do, uh, it's just uh, you know, it inspires you. I, I've been inspired doing this. Well, you know, and, and Walt, I guess I didn't realize until boys volleyball came around, and, and then to add to that, fishing leagues, trap leagues that, that have formed the same way as, as club sports, basically. I didn't realize the power of the Letterman's Code, I call it. And that, and that is, you can play club sports, and, and, and people would say, well, just keep playing club, what's the difference, blah, blah, blah. There is something so identifiable, and in our DNA we have created, that you want to represent your school. You want to be able to win a letter, and and you want to say this is my sport. I understand, you know, you may play this sport, you may play this sport, maybe you play multiple sports, but you, you want something that that is a part of the school that you get your picture in the yearbook for. And I didn't realize how strong that feeling was, and how much passion there was to, to represent your school and to be a piece of what everybody else that gets to play a, a sport is a piece of. Until I saw volleyball. Yeah, well, I mean, you know it from experience. I mean, you were you were a major. Can't athlete. imagine my life without you know playing for your school in sports. You know, that's right. And so, no, it's and I know what you mean about uh, all of a sudden you kind of see it because I'm dealing now with families on a regular basis that have a son playing and listening to them tell me how important it is for that kid and and for them. Uh, you know, the, to, to be part of their school and, and do this. It's a, it's a major part of it all, and there's a ton of families right now, uh, more and more and more all the time. And I just feel that it's, you know, I, I think that the high school league has got to recognize, too, that, uh, that all, you know, most of the people are voting were athletes in high school. They're mostly yeah. ADs. Yeah. You know. They know how important it yes. is to play for your school. And so you just got to hope, you know, they have a tough job. I, I don't want to take anything away from from AD's job. And, and you know, they, I know that it's not an easy thing for them to add a sport and everything. But where this is right now and how far it's come and how many kids, uh, you know, I, I just think uh, they've got to understand that it, it's time has come here. And, you know, if I was a parent right now, in a school, I, and I talk to them, and they're doing this. But now is the time to go to your school administration and and say, you know, it's time for these boys to to have a chance to do this. 
And I think if the, you know, if, if parents start making themselves vocal uh, in their school about this, who are involved, there's a lot of them out there, um, you know, it's going to make a difference too. So, what what would hold it back at this juncture, Walt? What what would be the? You know, is there a reason that you needed to overcome that you have now, or that you still scares you? What would it be? Well, it, right now, it's uh, I don't know about holding it back, but right now, the the major interest is in the uh, the metro. So right now, these fourteen hundred kids, there's enough school. There's over fifty schools. There's enough schools and enough kids in the metro to do this right now. And that's why these metro regions, you had to get the majority of metro regions to support it, administrative regions. And the, and there, six of those have come from the Twin Cities, and these 1,400 kids play mainly for those groups. So the, 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 the seven-county metro is pretty much at this point with the schools and with the regions behind it. But the outstate schools and the people who right now there's you know they don't have teams playing in this league uh there isn't a ton of boys in their school that are talking to them they have their issues and so they have not been on board but as you and i both know if it's sanctioned they don't have to say you know they don't have to put it in their school no you you can pair and share you 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 can you can find a different place to play if you want right well, the kids are, will have trouble finding a place to play, but the they don't have to put it in the high school. In other words, the school doesn't, once it's sanctioned. Just because it's sanctioned doesn't mean you have to offer it. Not not every school offers all the same sports, yeah. Correct, yeah. So yeah. what we have to do, what has to happen, because you need a two-thirds vote, some of those schools and regions, let's call them regions because that's where they are, these delegates are from regions, some of those have got to say, look, okay, we might not add it, but let's not stand in the way of, of yeah, I you see. know, that, yeah. and, and That's right. And so, so, like, where I grew up, we didn't offer hockey. Well, that's just the way it is, right? And, and, and right. Not every school offers every sport, even though you could if you wanted. Right. But these, but the, those, so those ADs in those schools or in those regions, they've got to say, they've got to say, look, you know, for the betterment of mankind, so to speak. Yep. Uh, and that's, I mean, we, you know, that's what's got to happen with this. It's got to be vote for the greater good, you know, for, for all of the kids, not just the local issue that you might have in your school and not want to add it. And this, this uh, delegate assembly, that's the delegate's job. The region's job is to say, okay, for our region, we don't want this. Well, we got enough of them. So now we're at the delegate assembly level, and their job, those delegates' job, is to say, what what does this vote mean for the greater good of the kids? And there, like I said, there's enough right now. I mean, we talk about 1,400 kids. That's a lot of boys. Yeah. Uh, and it grows. It's You know, like I said, it's almost doubled this year. It keeps expanding, and there's tons of people out there now. So, you know, they've got to give those kids a chance, I think. Walt, I'm with you. Keep us posted as it gets closer. I absolutely will. Uh, I really appreciate the time, Mike. Well, you guys have done great work. You and there's two two ladies that you know very well down in Shakopee that have been pretty good, too. Yes, Jenna and Krista. Yep. They, if without them, this would never be happening. So. Yep. 
You guys uh, just keep doing what you're doing, okay? All right. Good enough, mate. Thanks for the call. You bet. Walt Weaver, what a job he's done. Jenna and Krista have been outstanding as well. When we come back, the number one role, I think, of an athletic director. Stay with us. I think the number one objective of athletic directors is the same number one objective of administrators, the state high school league, and those of us that are adults, and that is to give our young people every opportunity to succeed that we can. Now, sports, you know, I'm a big believer that if you look at sports as an extension of education, it's some of the best classes that your kids can ever take, competing being with other people in stressful situations, having teammates that you don't like, playing for a coach that you don't like or do like, kind of can help define where you want to go in life because it will tell you the people that you gravitate to and how to deal with those that you don't enjoy or respect. But we need to give them as many opportunities as possible to subject themselves to both the good, the bad, and the ugly, and the ugly that goes with competing in sports. And generally speaking, there are very few regrets for those people that participate in sports, even if it didn't go as well as they would like, and it usually doesn't go as well as you would like. But at the end of it, you're thankful that you went out for the sport and you gained something from it. So with that in mind, I just believe that all of us need to encourage every opportunity we can for kids. We don't know what it is that they might like. They might not want to run on the track team or play on the baseball team. But you know what? Volleyball might have an appeal for them. So now all of a sudden they got a group, they got people, they got a game to look forward to. And on top of that, they got stress that goes with it, the pressure that you feel, the anxiety that goes with performance. And they got to figure out a way to deal with that. Isn't that a great teacher for life? So we're just looking at all these teaching tools. It doesn't redefine who you're necessarily going to be, but it can redefine your path and redefine the way that you think if you participate. But you have to participate in the sport, and you have to see how hard it is to be good. I've often said that one of the greatest things about sports is being humiliated and then having to make a decision as to whether or not you come back the next time and try again or having that bad weekend, those three bad games, and feeling just awful. And then by Monday saying, okay, I got to figure this out and I got to find a way to do it. And, th- and then failing again and saying, but I'm not giving up because quitting is not an option. Those are the things that come from participation. And the more things we can offer kids to participate in, particularly right now coming out of COVID, because so many of them have been depressed and derailed and have gone down wrong paths, hopefully just temporarily during the COVID depression uh, that has afflicted so many teenagers that we need to come out of that with as many options as possible for them to get involved in the school and to feel that they're a part of something. That's what I believe. I, I don't even talk about wins and losses and success and all that stuff. That's the easy part is trying to figure out who the best team is and uh, if you're the best player. All that stuff is easy. But the value of sport is to be a great extension of the of your education so that you're taking, in essence, another class. You just happen to take it after school instead of during school hours or sometimes before school. And that's it. And then through that, you learn, you become tougher, you become better, you become you have a better sense of humor. You can take it and you can give it back to people and you can understand when they're kidding you, when they're serious, all that stuff that goes with it. And oh, yeah, there's a discipline component because guess what? I'm not going to go out and drink because I'm not willing to sacrifice what I put so much time into in the form of my eligibility and sport. All those things are built into, are baked into sports. 
And that's why I hope they pass this bill to play boys volleyball because it is another extension of education and is one great class to take. Speaking of which, Henry Lake is the tutor. He is next on CCO. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.